Happy Sabbath, everyone. Good to be with you all here in warm Palm Springs, California, on this God's holy Sabbath day. We are going to jump right into our talk um, as soon as the slides are up, and we're going to really delve into some uh, deep spiritual material this morning. Um, our scripture reading will come from the book of Luke, the 17th chapter, and we're going to read verses 26 and 27. Luke 17, verses 26 and 27. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage. Until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. A message this devotion Sabbath morning is playtime is over. Playtime is over. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word and your truth. I ask now, Lord, in a special way that you just make me a nail on the wall. Hang a portrait of Christ Jesus on that nail, Lord, for I need not be seen. We want to hear a word from you and from your throne room. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit in double portion upon this place. I pray now, Lord, that you bind the devil. Cast far away his minions. And Father God, put as sentinels around us now your holy angels. This is our prayer in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. All right, we're going to go to the book of Exodus, the 32nd division. We're going to start at verse 1. Exodus chapter 32, starting at verse 1. The Bible says, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. As for this Moses... The man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we what not what is become of him. The children of Israel had seen mighty miracles, ten incredible plagues, the parting of the Red Sea. And when Moses steps away for a moment, they begin to panic and worry as to what is going on. They don't know what's happened to Moses. And unfortunately, they have connected Moses with their salvation in place of connecting Jehovah with their salvation. So they are quick to make a fatal mistake. Verse 2 says, And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. You see, they had left Egypt with a spoil. They, many of the Egyptians just gave them riches as they left Egypt. Many of the Egyptians joined them, jumped, jumped on the bandwagon when they saw that the God of Israel had won the battle. And so there, here they are now, a mixed multitude, uh, still with the adorning of Egypt, carrying the gold of Egypt. And what did they do with what they were blessed with? The Bible says in verse 3, and all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears, and they brought them unto Aaron. They took the earrings off, they bring it to Aaron. The Bible says he received them in his hand, and he fashioned it with a graving tool. After he had made it a molten calf, so he takes it, he, he melts it down. I don't want you to underestimate the effort that it takes to do what Aaron does. This is premeditated. It is intentional. He has to melt it down. He has to take all the earrings, form them into a golden calf. Maybe this is a skill Aaron learned in Egypt. I don't know. What's scary is that at the end of that verse, Aaron says, these, the other people say, these be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. They get to a place, and this is the crux of what we're going to talk about today. What they begin to do is they begin to overlay uh, the, 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 the Egyptian way of thinking, trying to bring into that Jehovah. 
They try and give credit to pagan gods for what the God of heaven has done, and they try and blend the two into one thing. See, they were used to the gods of Egypt, Osiris, Isis, and Horus. They were used to this. In fact, Pharaoh himself was divine. This is why the last plague falls on the firstborn. It falls on the firstborn because Pharaoh's firstborn was also to be divine. He would call himself the son of God. They get the concept to put a golden calf together from the Egyptian concept of an apis. This was the calf or the bull god that was supposedly responsible for all creation. And so what they were trying to do, I don't want you to miss this, is to blend the idea of the creator god Jehovah and blend that idea with the pagan ideas that surrounded them. They wanted to come up with a new system of worship that blended uh, uh, the, the corrupt with the holy. I submit to you, as we're going to talk about today, they, Folk are still making golden calves. Verse 5, and when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Not only did he build it, he, he, he declared a feast to it. This is where the, the, um, their, their, their appetites get involved and sensuality begins to get involved. They, they set up a party, as it were. And the Bible says in verse 6 of Exodus chapter 32, the Bible says, and they rose up early on the morrow. They got up early the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the Bible says, and the people sat down to eat and to drink and the, my Bible tells me that they rose up to play. Ah, church, I came to tell you today that playtime is over. The time for playing around with the things of God, of blending uh, the profane with the holy, that time is done. The Hebrew word for play there is the word sachach. It means to play or to, or, to, or to fool around, but it also carries the connotation as if one is mocking someone else. Uh, I want to submit to you that we live in a world that is, that where uh, there is a blending now of the holy and the profane and the world. And even in the church, folk have risen up to play. But church, playtime is over. You see, because there are many modern golden calves. In fact, in the Bible, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 through 4, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. And look at what the Bible says. They will be turned unto fables. It was a fable that a, a calf that Aaron was able to make with the earrings that they were wearing was the one who delivered them from Egypt. That was a fable. And look how quickly the host of Israel begins to believe this lie. I want to submit to you that as the, the, the golden calves are created now in the end times, the same way we will see that there will be many who quickly believe the fables of our time. Well, what do I mean? Well, one of those fables is evolution itself. This is a ex completely accepted way of thinking. In fact, uh, if you go back to, I think that's 1995, uh, the, an article there where Pope John Paul II acknowledges the theory of evolution. The article writer says, ignoring conflicts with biblical texts. You see, you can't be an evolutionist and believe the Bible at the same time. It is a fable. It is a modern golden calf. In fact, the, if you really step back and look at evolution, its role, its job is to bring man down, uh, bring God down to the level of man. Why? Because ultimately it is, it is chance that created us and not a divine God. 
Pope blessed it. And here's the problem with evolution. And if, you, if you've ever followed my testimony, you know that when the Los Angeles Times wrote an editorial piece on me, they said that there are two reasons Dr. Eric Walsh should never hold a scientific position in the United States of America. The first reason, they said, is because he does not believe the theory of evolution. He believes God created the world. They said by default that should disqualify him from holding any scientific position in the United States of America. The LA Times, second largest newspaper in the United States. The other reason they said I should never hold a, uh, hold a scientific position is because in one of my sermons I said, I do not want my children to wish upon a star. I want them to pray to the living God. And they said he hates Disney. And in Southern California, Mickey and Minnie are royalty. You can't mess with them. I want to submit to you that the, 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 the formation of these ideologic golden calves, because here's the problem I have with what Pope John Paul II did and thinks. Here, uh, the problem is, if God is lying to us in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, if he's not telling us the truth about how the world began and how the world was created, how can we believe God in John 3 and verse 16 when he says he can recreate a man and redeem a man? So there is erosion. So much so that now, talking about the modern golden calves, this is a great book. It's dangerous to believe. This, uh, a woman uh, wrote uh, a book, and, and I don't theologically agree with everything she says, but she basically says, listen, it's dangerous to be a Christian in America now. That in fact, as we you know, see more and more infighting in the church, we better understand that they're coming from us from the outside as well. There is a, there's, a, there's a lack of respect, and Bill Maher, who's a host of a show on HBO, um, he made that documentary called uh, Religious. And Religious is a, obviously a combination of the words uh, religion and ridiculous. And he literally brags that he converts people from being believers to atheism. And it's funny because he can talk and curse and swear about Christianity and no one says anything. They scoff, they mock, that we believe what we believe. This is that sakak, that play. And here it is, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. There shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. They will, they will mock us because of the lust they want. You see, what happens is when you remove God, when they thought God left because Moses left, all of a sudden two things happen. One of the things that happens is immorality explodes. When God is removed, there's no more checks on a society and immorality explodes. We talked yesterday about the rapid increase in sexually transmitted diseases and infections. Immorality explodes. But the other thing that happens when God is removed is that persecution will follow. You see, people who uh, want to live however they want to live, and as you know, the, 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 one of, the, one of the, um, the statements of the devil from his organizations on earth is, do as thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. When, when, when you live according to God's law, when you live a life and, 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 and say that we should live a life according to what God teaches, it generates hatred against the people of God and persecution follows. That's why it says, uh, uh, Peter says, uh, that in the last days there'll be scoffers and they will, why? They'll be walking after their own lusts and in their own lusts when they see someone else teaching or behaving as Christians, it will rile up hatred against us. Peter goes on to say in verse four, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. We will be mocked. And I'm telling you what you're going to begin to see, we're already beginning to see, and that is that there is a melding and a blending of secular ideas, of 
pagan ideas into Christianity. You can see there on the counter the, the red annotated Oxford Bible uh, sitting in the woman's room, and yet she's on the ground doing her yoga pose. There is this blending. Even in churches, even in some of our churches, folk are bringing in things like yoga. And I remember one Sunday morning when I was at the gym, gym in Southern California, and they were having a yoga class, and I stopped to ask the teacher, um, you know, just, just out of curiosity, is is there any connection with yoga and sun worship? I forget exactly how I asked her. And she said, absolutely. And she began to explain to me the positions and why they face the way they face, some of the terminology that they use. And here it is. It seems like, it, I mean, it's, it, there's some good stretching poses, yeah? But you've got to be careful. We bring in the mindset of the golden calf in and around us so much so that Pew, a research center, has found that New Age beliefs are common among both religious and non-religious Americans. New Age beliefs have begun to, to, to come in and affect all aspects of American society, the religious and the non-religious. Here's one quote from the article. Most American adults self-identify as Christians, but many Christians also hold what are sometimes characterized as New Age beliefs, including belief in reincarnation, astrology, psychics, and presence of spiritual energy in physical objects like mountains or trees. Many Americans who are religiously unaffiliated also hold these beliefs. Isn't that incredible? We're literally seeing that Christianity is being invaded by beliefs that go against the scripture that are actually new age. And it, I remember 25, 30 years ago, books were being written and sermons being preached, warning about this coming uh, new age religion and how it could affect the church. Well, what we see now, years later, it is no longer going to affect the church. And I mean Christendom in general here in America. It is in the church. In fact, one of the things that the study finds that is quite fascinating is that, in fact, Christians are more likely to have, in America, to have accepted bits and pieces of New Age belief than people who have no religion at all. U.S. adults who say they are neither religious nor spiritual tend to reject New Age beliefs. Isn't that incredible? People who claim to be Christians are more likely to form this modern golden calf than those who say they have no belief at all. Here's what John the Revelator says about this, Revelation chapter 16, verse 13 through 15. He says, And I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs, come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. And we understand that to be apostate Protestantism, Catholicism, and spiritualism. These three things come out of the mouth of these three, of these three entities. Then the scripture says uh, um, in Revelation, for they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. All of these things are working together to coalesce into a force that will come against God in, in, in all the might and strength they can muster. Right now that's happening. Right now it's coalescing. It's coming together. They are working to come against the people of God. How do we know this? Well, the devil told you he was doing this. When the, when the, when the Rolling Stones made the album Sympathy for the Devil, Luciferian thinking began. All of a sudden, they say, well, you know, maybe it's really not the devil's fault. He's not really that bad of a guy. If you read Roger Minot's book, A Trip into the Supernatural, uh, when he talks about what the demon priest taught him, the demon priest said, listen, God is too merciful. He would never destroy Lucifer. He's going to give this world to Lucifer. The Luciferians believe that ultimately Lucifer will win control of this world in its entirety. So today, you should feel sympathy for the one who was cast out of heaven. And if you think they're not telling you this straight up, well, they are telling you it straight up because when you go and look at the TV shows, I, I can talk about Harry Potter, you all know that this actually introduced um, in a strong way into mainstream America and into the world, uh, witchcraft and Wicca type concepts. But here's what's interesting. 
Wicca and witchcraft are now the fastest growing religions in the United States among young people. More, more young people in America now probably have read those books than have ever read the Bible. And then they made this TV show. TV show is called Lucifer. And I've never seen the show, but we were doing Bible studies with a young couple and they had seen the show and they were explaining to us the premise of the show Lucifer. And in this show Lucifer, what they were saying happens is Lucifer comes out of hell to take, he runs a nightclub in Los Angeles. I know, you know, that, that's just too good. Uh, and and he, he's so bent on, on justice, don't miss this, and fearness and equality and equity that he goes around and works with some police officer of some kind and actually extracts revenge on folk for folk who have been taken wrong and does stuff like that. So he's like, he's the hero. But you know where it got fascinating? When they told us that he has a brother named Michael on the TV show and Michael's a mess up and, a, and, and foolish and dim-witted and you know what Lucifer wanted? He wanted to exalt his throne above the throne of the Most High. He wanted to be better than Jesus, right? Isn't it interesting that Michael the Archangel, who we know is Christ, he now makes his brother on this TV show, and he is the polished, sophisticated Lucifer, and his brother is the dim-witted Michael? Remember what we talked about with television yesterday, how it changes the EEG waves in your brain, makes you less susceptible to, to, to actually be able to critically think about what was being presented to you? Could it be that a wave now of Luciferian thinking will sweep across the country? Ah, let's see. I believe so. In fact, considering what day and what time of the year it is right now with tomorrow being the day the world calls Halloween, the day we call the Reformation Day, Here's the thing now, Coco, the, show, the, the cartoon Coco where they go back, you know, this is all goes against our concept of the state of the dead and cartoons like Coco or movies like Ghost um, or, or in Maleficent where Disney turns the, the, the villain into the good guy and again gives you sympathy for that person. All of this is happening as the molten calves of our time are formed. It's no wonder that more and more Christians are beginning to fall prey to the ideologies of the new age. It is, has everything to do with the fact that we have allowed ourselves to have our minds bathed with this material. Our children are raised under this material. So it's not as far stretched that at some point you begin to jump over and believe these things and, and it starts to carry out. Some people say, well, you know, it's, 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 it's just the, the, the cultural thing to do. It's the right thing to do. And so you start to see times when we get into um, uh, uh, what is coming up now, El Dia de los Muertos, where we do the Day of the Dead. And I've had friends who've explained this to me and, and, and we, we, you know, people go and feed the dead. But it's, it's a worldwide phenomenon now. In fact, it's so intense when we look at Halloween that this is what Anton LaVey, the, the founder of the Church of Satan, this is what he says about Halloween. Remember, Halloween is tomorrow. I'm glad that Christian parents let their children worship the devil at least one night out of the year. That's what he says about participating in Halloween. Isaiah says it like this, Isaiah 8, 19 and 20. When they shall say unto you, seek unto them that have familiar spirits and unto wizards that peep and that mutter, he asked the question, shouldn't a people speak to their God? For the living to the dead, in other words, why are you trying to speak to the dead? Why are you feeding the dead? Why are you playing with the dead? You can speak to your God. You see, God is alive. And this includes the prayers to saints. The dead can't hear you. Ecclesiastes 9 tells us that. The living know that they shall die. The dead don't know anything. Neither have they any more any part of anything that is done under the sun. Yet there are some who would burn up their spiritual energy trying to communicate with those who can't communicate back. When the God of heaven in all mercy and grace is willing to hear your petition and answer your prayer. Isaiah goes on to say to the law and to the testimony they speak not according to this word, 
It is because there is no light in them. Church, this is where we are. If people are speaking outside of it, we've got to be very careful who we bring in, who we listen to. Uh, What's scaring me now is that we have all these YouTube scholars. People send me a video on YouTube. Oh my goodness, did you see this? The funniest one I saw was, 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 was someone who, who, who said he could put a light bulb on the shop site where he got a, an injection and he could put a light bulb on it and, and the light bulb light up. And this person was like, look at this. I said, man, if there was a way to inject you and you could light up a light bulb, you, you, you know, they'd just put little transponders on the, on, the, on the steering wheel of the Tesla and you just charge the car while you drive. YouTube scholars, people don't read anymore. They don't study anymore. The Bible says to study to show yourself approved unto God. Here's what Paul says to Timothy. He says, now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. In the last times, there will be a move and a push into darkness. I want you to get this. Talking about these modern day golden calves, Satan is about to begin to remove all of his cloak. For a long time, he hid in the shadows uh, uh, and and in the back alleyways and and in the secret societies. He hid out of plain sight. But I'm submitting to you that as he realizes time on earth for him is running short, he is about to come out into the open. Proof of that is here. With the rise of the satanic temple. Have you heard of this group? This is a group that has jumped out on the scene. They go around, and if you put up a, 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 if somebody puts up a nativity scene on government property somewhere in America, they go and put a statue like this one up uh, um, of, of, of one of the, uh, of, of their god. Uh, this, is, this, is, um, this is Lucifer, but it's the, the, the pan god that they use. And they put, Baphomet is his name, put him there. You see the little children? Notice it's children they put. Ethnically diverse children in that. And they put the children there looking up at him because they want your children. And they put this up. In fact, here's one of the statements that they make. The Satanic said, we have publicly confronted hate groups for the uh, uh, abolition of corporal punishment in public schools, fought for the abolition of corporal punishment in, in public schools, applied for equal representation when religious installations are placed on public property. That's what I was just talking about. Provided religious exemption and legal protection against laws that unscientifically restrict women's reproductive autonomy. Exposed harmful pseudoscientific practitioners in mental health care. Organized clubs alongside other religious after-school clubs in schools besieged by proselytizing organizations and engaged in other advocacy in accordance with our tenants. In other words, they have stood up and they said, listen, if your high school starts an after-school Bible study program that invites kids to come in and study the Bible, they go in and set up a program for Satan. I want to submit to you, playtime is over. We are moving into earth's last hours and minutes when this is so bold They say they don't really worship the devil, but then they have the advantage. You know, God has a disadvantage in the great controversy. God always has to tell the truth. Satan gets to lie. So they can lie and say, look, we don't worship the devil. We don't believe in a Lucifer when they absolutely do. And here's the case that they had, the Satanic Temple versus Texas, right? Um, And you can see that one there. They they, they sued Texas over abortion laws. This is the, the, so they're going to join into the activism of our time. And here's what is happening, church. They are literally beginning to do something where they are going to replace the morality of the scripture. Don't miss this with this new woke morality. The idea that what we do is we fight for people's rights on earth on earth. I was listening to one of the seminars yesterday uh, by Dr. Scholes, and, and when he was talking about Barabbas, whose name also meant son of the father, um, and he was uh, the one that stood next to Jesus. Uh, and in, in the time when the people of God should have chosen Christ as their Messiah, in the presence of Pilate, they chose, Barab- chose Barabbas. Why? Because they were more concerned with their rights now than eternity. And I want to submit to you that this is what we see shaping up. 
There are those who will, and you're going to hear more and more of it, oh, the church doesn't do enough to solve the problems of the world. And absolutely, we ought to be out there feeding the poor and, and, and helping build homes and doing all the things we can. But we can never think that outreach replaces evangelism. Because what's going to happen is that our younger generations, are going to, they're going to try to build for them the, mo- the, the golden calf of the idea that, well, if you are fixing this world and changing this world and saving the animals and saving the planet and, 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 and solving the problems of race and racism, well, if you're doing all of those great things, you have arrived at morality. It's not that those things are bad, but if we are not careful, we will choose Barabbas. And I'm shocked at how many of our churches have stopped preaching the three angels' messages. They no longer preach prophecy. They don't preach uh, a thus saith the Lord, but they will stand there and, and opine long on all the ills in this world we need to fix. And they don't, it's like they don't, they don't remember that the solution to the problems of this world is Christ Jesus. The Scripture says the world is going to be made over. There is a playtime of now. In fact, when we look at all of this, I like this text here, Psalm 14, 1 through 4 says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. The fool has said in his heart that there is no God. When we, from a scientific perspective, just look at the complexity, if you just study, I was just studying, looking yesterday at something with my wife yesterday, the action potential of a nerve. Yeah, don't judge us. Looking at the action potential of a nerve, how could the sodium transport uh, a channel that forces the sodium back out of the cell, how could it have happened by chance? There's no way somebody had to, that's engineering. Verse 3, it says they are all gone aside. This is the condition of the world David is talking about. They are all together become filthy. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? Do they not look and see what's actually going on? And then look at the, he speaks to persecution. Once you stop believing in God, persecution comes. He says, who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord. There's a connection with this removal from the God, of the God of heaven. In fact, I would, I would submit to you that it is also combined with the changing of who God is. In other words, when we change God from the benevolent, merciful God, who is not just a God of mercy, he's also a God of justice. When we change him from that to a God who is basically an ATM machine in the sky, when we have this name it and claim it gospel of prosperity mentality, When you change God like that, it also causes people to pull back. And let me tell you something, immorality rises up again, and so does persecution. But let me tell you something, God is still looking for people who are going to stand up in these times. Here's what Ellen White says about this from Eternity Past, page 221. Aaron feebly remonstrated with the people, but his wavering and timidity at the critical moment rendered them the more determined. A blind, unreasoning frenzy seemed to possess the multitude. As they were about to worship this, uh, asking for this calf and going into this, they became blind and frenzied. And what you see, and if you're watching what's going on in the world, as people are arguing over things on the internet right now, it is as if they are in a frenzy. It's all emotional. Tell you something, one day all that energy is going to be turned against us. Ellen White goes on to say, some remain true to their covenant with God. Watch this. But the greater part joined in the apostasy. A few who ventured to denounce the proposed image making as idolatry were set upon and finally lost their lives. I'm going to summarize in an equation what I said earlier. When you remove God, the result is immorality and persecution. 
And I want to submit to you that the reason we're seeing the waves and the movements we're seeing now is because we, it is being set up for the great time of trouble. If you pull back God, if you remove God, if there is no God, and then Satan comes back as an angel of light. Oh, y'all missing this thing. And all of a sudden, he can prove himself, and everyone will fall and bow and worship Satan when he comes as an angel of light. And those of us who, like the few in the camp of Israel, who did not like the idea of a golden calf, those of us who say, no, this is not what the Bible says. His feet should not touch the ground. We are not to go after him in the desert. We know this is not Christ. This is, this is Satan in the, in, the, in the guise of Christ. When we say we will keep the seven-day Sabbath and not bow to any Sunday legislation, when we decide that we are going to stand up for God, they will turn on us the same way. And what you're going to find is that we are going to continue to live in a world where immorality and persecution increase. Because when you remove God, you leave a hole in a person. You think there's no co connection between the correlation of a country and a society that becomes more secular? more materialistic, and the rise in mental health issues? You think that there's no connection at all between the fact that people have no surety? Even Bill Maher on his show when he had on um, a gentleman who wrote the book, The Blue Zones, when Bill Maher had that guy on his show, I watched that clip, and when that guy was on the show uh, and Bill Maher found out that the only blue zone in North America was in Loma Linda, California, he said, how is that possible that 50 miles down the I-10 freeway, uh, there's a group that lives that long? And when the man that wrote the book, and his name is slipping my mind, but when, he, when, he, when the man responded and said, they are Seventh-day Adventists, Bill Maher, the, the, uh, the, the quintessential atheist, threw down his notes. I quit, he said. He was angry. But then later in the show, he said something profound. He said, you know what? I guess if I thought that when I die, everything would be all right, I might sleep better at night too. What's happening in the world is that men have a God-sized hole in their heart that is not being filled. And one of the reasons that men are playing so much now, the first thing was they built the molten calf. The second thing they did was play is that this statement, and I, I learned this statement at the, at the Veterans Hospital in Loma Linda when I was a preventive medicine resident. The statement says, God made the human heart so big, only he can fill it. One of the veterans taught me that in one of the addiction recovery groups on the second floor of the VA hospital there. God made the human heart so big, only he can fill it. And you know what I've learned in life? You, and this is what he said to me when I asked him what it meant. You can try and fill the God-sized hole in your heart with cocaine. It'll just make you a cocaine addict. You can try and uh, fill it with gambling. You'll just become a gambling addict. Alcohol, you become an alcoholic. It, sex, you become a sex addict. You can try and fill the hole with anything you want. But unless you fill the hole with the peace that passes all understanding that is found in Christ Jesus, you will always be above all men miserable. And that's why now, they're, 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 you know, we, they were teaching, going all the way back to, the, I think it was in the 1970s, the, our first article came out saying that people who drink alcohol have less of a chance of heart disease, that, it, that alcohol is cardioprotective, and they've run with that thing, haven't they? I have patients say, don't worry, doc, I'm, all, I'm good, I, I, my heart's okay, I drink a, a glass of wine every night. But you know what they're saying about alcohol now? We're talking about playtime. Now what they're saying is, any amount of alcohol consumption is harmful to the brain. Now they're saying that there is no safe amount of, and this is causing a, 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 an uproar in the world. And now people are coming quick to try and come out with studies to refute this. They're, they're talking about the cancer risk that, that alcohol has. Any woman who drinks just one serving of alcohol a day increases significantly her risk of breast cancer. You would think in October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, that would be plastered all over the TV. The NFL wears pink. Even Kentucky Fried Chicken makes buckets with pink on it. And if that is not a sad irony, I don't know what is, because all that Kentucky Fried Chicken is not going to protect you. In fact, it probably contributes to your risk of breast cancer. But no one will say, alcohol is bad for you. 
In fact, it's gotten worse. It's not just alcohol. Remember the Bible, Solomon forbids alcohol. Uh, it makes the statement, do not look at the wine when it's red, when it moves itself in a cup, when it stirs itself aright. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. We are told that when it ferments, you're not to drink wine anymore. This is why we know Jesus did not make fermented wine in, at the wedding because the Bible already forbid you from even looking at it. But it's getting deeper than that, church. Here is the rise of marijuana. We're talking about playtime now. These are the states that have legalized medical and recreational marijuana. The dark green states have legalized it. The light green states have legalized medical marijuana. And you can see that this thing has taken over the country. And the real danger here is that the, the, the potency of the, of the tetrahydrocannabinol, the THC levels, are multiple times stronger than they were just a few decades ago. There are new diseases we have now. We didn't have before because of the legalization of marijuana. Diseases like cannabis-induced hyperemesis syndrome. I'm sure some of you in your practice have seen it. I've seen it myself. It is a frightening thing. Some 20-year-old is just retching, retching, can't stop. Nothing even in, in their stomach anymore. Can't stop throwing up. But what's most frightening is the, 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 this, this rise in cannabis-induced psychosis. One, because they laced marijuana with stuff so that you, get, you don't know what you're getting, but the potency, they, you know, and they make these brownies and, you know, a, a serving might be a quarter of a brownie. But some people eat the whole brownie and go into a psychotic fit right away. No one's warning America of the long-term risks. Increased risk of diseases like schizophrenia. Church playtime is over, but the world is getting deeper and deeper in play. I, I would go through all the different effects of marijuana. I, I, we don't really have time. It, it is unbelievable as a physician and public health person. This has just rolled over a country that already cannot manage the mental health issues we have. And while people are arguing over coronaviruses and vaccines and all kinds of stuff, we are behind the scenes. Other health threats are sweeping the country. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. In the last days men will be lovers of their own selves, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. You see that? When you remove God, you start to despise those that are good. It says traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. That's where our world is. They're playing, dancing around the golden calves that have been created. But I like verse 5. It says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such do what? Turn away. We will live in a time when there will be a false sense of godliness, a false sense of morality. Uh, and, and like I said, some of the social activism that you see now, will see folk are going to seek to replace true godliness with. And what is the force that creates true godliness that they have turned, that the power that they've rejected? It is the Holy Spirit. We, church, ought to be praying for the Holy Spirit like never before. Each one of us now must stand for the cause of God. The Old Testament prophet said, if you can't keep up with the footmen, how are you going to run with the horses? That means today in a time of peace, we must be doing God's work. Because there are still many errands, which is the last part of this, the errands of today. Here's what Ellen White says about Aaron from Eternity Past, page 221. She says, a religion that permits men to devote themselves to selfish or sensual gratification is as pleasing to the multitudes now as in the days of Israel. Watch this. There are still pliant errands in the church who will yield to the desires of the unconsecrated and thus encourage them in sin. There are still errands, church. Still those who will not preach of thus saith the Lord. Still those who will excuse sin and pretend it does not exist. I want to tell you, 
We are facing challenging times. Persecution is before us. Jeremiah chapter 14 and verse 14. Then the Lord said unto me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake, neither, neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a, and a thing of naught and the deceit of their heart. One other translation says, they teach unto you the delusions of their minds. And how does it get there? Well, social media is a big part of it. Now we have all of these influencers influencing folk. Young people listen to what these people say. There's constant 24-hour information being fed at us all the time through these channels. I'm telling you, nowadays, if you want someone to fast, probably social media is one of the best fasts you can do these days. Because these influencers, like this young lady here is a Hollywood star. She came out with a little video that went, I think, on TikTok or YouTube or wherever it went. And she, she questioned the Trinity. And that next weekend, this thing went viral. That next weekend, some of the Bible studies and, 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 and some of the um, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, online Zoom vespers that folk were having. I saw some where they were now, they were presenting stuff that there is no um, holy Godhead, that there is no Trinity. Just like that, one influencer. And Adventists were questioning this thing. And those who were laying in the cut, waiting for their opportunity, pounced on it. Well, let me tell you something. Remember, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5, they have the form of godliness, but they do what? They deny the power thereof. Who are they going to deny? The Holy Spirit. It is prophecy fulfilled that they begin to attack the Holy Spirit. It's the power of social media. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 6 says it like this. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us do what? Watch and be sober. You think it's a coincidence that the Bible so many times tells you to be sober, be sober, be sober, and every third commercial on television is alcohol and illegalizing marijuana and, 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 and all of the other drugs and the, this drug culture has become so popular. The devil wants us intoxicated. We talked about the importance of the frontal lobe yesterday. This is where Satan wants us. High as a kite, not paying attention to what is going to happen in the world. 1 Peter 4 and verse 7, the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Because church, playtime is over. Quickly, I'll tell you, one of the things that's happened to me in the last few weeks is that one of my cousins I love dearly, 46 years old, father of seven, his wife still has, the littlest one is still under a year old. He got COVID and wound up in the ICU at a hospital in Florida. Watch, church. My cousins, uh, the doctor told his wife that basically there was no chance. He was quickly brought in. He was intubated. Um, uh, his sugars went out of control. He came in in a diabetic uh, coma, a keto, it was at least in DKA, DKA diabetic ketoacidosis. He went in and they started to, to try and treat him. He was, they, they, he was under and he, he was intubated. And they were telling his wife that there was really no chance that he was going to make it. We began to rally together and pray. When I say pray, I mean we had Zoom meetings as a family. And folk who have not been to church in years or, 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 or you know, seem to have drifted away started to join some of these Zoom meetings. And we were calling on the name of the Lord. And he was there, and it, seemed, and it got worse. His kidneys failed halfway through the stay. They had to put him on dialysis. Then he got an, uh, then from the dialysis um, port, he got an infection. I mean, it, it just, I mean, it, anything that could go wrong went wrong in that ICU unit in that hospital in Florida. And he was, it was as if he was ready to die. And, and we had just had one of the Zoom meetings and I, I was sitting at my desk at home and I called on the name of God and I said, Lord, I need my family to see that there is still a God in Israel. 
I need them to know that you are not a, a, a God of fairy tales or, 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 or made-up stories. I need them to see that you are real. So, Lord, I need you to not just heal him. I need him to not have one remnant of this state. He needs to completely come back. Kidneys, lungs, mind, everything. A day or two went by, he didn't get any better. But then his wife called me and told me, well, they think they might be able to extubate him now. But he will be on dialysis. I said, no, he won't. In the name of the Lord, he's coming all the way back. They extubated him and he was on dialysis for a couple of days. I talked to him on the phone. And his wife said, the weirdest thing though is he keeps, he keeps making urine, even though they say he's going to be on this dialysis. And by the third day before he left the hospital, they stopped the dialysis. His kidney function completely recovered. The infection, he had to have surgery to remove the infection. The surgery, uh, the surgery was a success. The infection was not as bad. Before it was all over, he was able to get up and walk out of that hospital without any vestiges. I, we had another Zoom meeting and he gave us his testimony, church. You serve a living God. He said, in fact, the doctor that told him that there was no chance he would ever get out, told him that he was the first patient ever to be put on dial, uh, up to be put on a ventilator in that hospital and walk out. Every other patient with COVID that went in there died if they were put on a ventilator. But here's where it gets deep. The doctor who doesn't believe in God said, even he was praying for my cousin. My cousin said at night, nurses would slip into the room and hold his hands and pray over him. He doesn't even know who they are till now. He said, as while we were having our Zoom meetings praying, uh, it turns out that they were praying. That he said that he was having these images that his family was all around him. Church, playtime is over. You don't serve some mystery spook God in the sky. The God we serve is the true and living God. As Jackie comes up to sing, I want you to think about that. Playtime is over. Bow your heads for prayer. Father God, we thank you for the truth that is in your word. We thank you for the warnings you have given to tell us that playtime is over. Father God, we pray now that each one of us, Lord, that we would make our calling an election sure. Father God, we would be able to stand in these last and terrible days. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you are so good to us. Help us now, Lord, to spread this truth around the world that Jesus is coming again. Let the church say amen and amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.